Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lebuff, and joining me today, as always, are my friends Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. And today's episode, we will be focused on the Champions League. That's right. Europe's top competition is back. We're under the lights, the European lights, for the first time since December. And we have a couple of uh, really tasty fixtures on Tuesday and Wednesday. There are four games total uh, and then four games next week as well in the round of 16. But real quick, before I, I bring in my co-hosts, I want to just run through the futures board to get you caught up on the Champions League and where we're sitting heading into the knockout stages. Manchester City, they're the clear favorite, plus 250. Bayern Munich, plus 350 right behind them. Liverpool is plus 550. Chelsea, the defending champions, they're 7-1. to one. PSG, 10-1. to one. Ajax, 12-1. to one. Real Madrid, they're 14 to 1. Manchester United, they're sitting at 18 to 1. Juventus, 25 to 1. Atletico Madrid, 35 to 1. Inter Milan, 50 to 1. And then the triple digits, we got Villarreal at 100 to 1. Benfica, 150 to 1. Lille, 200 to 1. Lisbon, 250 to 1. And RB Salzburg, also at 250 to 1. And we'll start with a delectable matchup two of the richest clubs the most famous clubs in all of europe psg they're plus 100 even money at home hosting real madrid plus 265 the draw is plus 270 the two advanced line psg is sitting at minus 137 real madrid even money anthony i think it's fair to say on this show if you've been listening we've kind of been skeptical of both of these teams uh since the beginning of the season we think they've been overvalued but i do think uh it, it would be fair to say that we've tended to say PSG are the price has been more overinflated, I guess, uh, than Real Madrid to this point. I think that's fair to kind of sum up how we feel about these teams. So it is an interesting matchup. Would you make PSG the favorite to advance and, and, and agree with the bookmakers? Only slightly. Uh, and so PSG was about minus 110 about two weeks ago, but the injury to Karen Benzema really takes this into a, a more tenuous position for Real Madrid, I think. Uh, we don't know if he's going to start on Tuesday. I think he will, but he hasn't played in a couple of weeks. He's been dealing with an injury. They've been going to Luka Jovic and Vinicius as the as the strike force, uh, Asensio as well. But he's just so important to their attack and the way they want to play. And really, you know, one of the main reasons that I've I've seen them as overrated a lot of this year is because Benzema and Vinicius especially 
have vastly overperformed their expected goals numbers. Uh, and I'm not sure how long that can continue. And that's why I've been looking to bet against them. Well, if he's not even there, that's a huge loss. And you look at this attack, they created a couple expected goals the last two games without him. Uh, but again, only scored one goal in two games against uh, Granada and Villarreal. So they've struggled to score chances, but I'm actually pretty encouraged by the defensive improvement that we've seen from them in the last month or so. I think they've kind of calmed down a little bit. You know, at one point on this podcast, they were 13th in expected goals allowed per 90 in Spain, which is pretty frightening. Yeah. And, and I think, it, you know, you, you got to take into account the fact that Ligue 1 is, yeah, of course, a couple notches below La Liga, but PSG, they've, they've been in good form in domestically too, like, and, and Real Madrid hasn't, but their expected goals numbers are, have been really good, right? They're two, two and one win draw loss in their last five, but a plus 8.84 expected goals differential. So like you said, their underlying metrics are trending up. However, it is a tough one to call. I think, I think you're getting a pretty good number on Real Madrid here. It would be Real Madrid or nothing for me, but like you said, I do want to keep monitoring Kareem Benzema for two reasons. One, if he is out, this number should tick up. And I still think uh, I'd be interested in it, even without their main man playing in uh, front of his, you know, his, his home crowd of France. So definitely want to keep an eye on BJ. I think you're with me here. You, you've been kind of against PSG throughout this entire season. And I don't really see you slowing down here. Yeah, I love Real Madrid here. So as of about six hours ago, the, the team squad came out for Real Madrid or the travel squad and Benzema is on there. And it sounds like he is ready to play. So Ancelotti basically has a choice of whether he's going to start him or bring him off the bench. I, I expect him to actually, you know, start him. I'm sure he's sounds like he's fit enough. If he's definitely going to travel. You mentioned it. The, the level of play in La Liga versus League on is actually a pretty significant gap. So PSG has obviously been cruising through. They really kind of slept through a match against Ren on Friday. Obviously it was a, you know, a game before they obviously had one eye on the champions league. So you can't really fault them that much. They have been dominating some of the uh, other big teams uh, you know, the match against Lille obviously comes to mind, but I think we are forgetting how underwhelming PSG's performances were during the champions league group stage. If you take out the two matches against club Bruges, they had a minus 1.3 expected goal, non-penalty expected goal differential against Leipzig and Manchester City. And what tends to happen with PSG is they're used to playing this possession-dominant style in League 1, but when they have to face teams like Manchester City, Bayern Munich comes to mind in the Champions League, they tend to try to sit deep and then destroy teams on the counter because they have you know the best front three in the world. What's going to be interesting here is that Real Madrid, if you go back and look through some of their results, there have been consistent times when they play bigger sides that they're not the possession controlling type. Now, they have had defensive issues, and a lot of the, what those issues have boiled down to is in the 4-3-3 system, Cruz and Modric, they love to go forward and supply the attack and essentially try to overwhelm opposing defenses, which leaves Casemiro and the defense on an island. Well, that can work in La Liga against teams that are playing 4-4-2s and not really that astute in terms of attacking. Against PSG, that's a different story, and that's actually pretty concerning. But Real Madrid averaging 1.83 uh, expected goals in, in La Liga, which is pretty good considering uh, the amount of scoring per match in La Liga is significantly lower than the other five leagues. Again, I think that this match should be projected closer to a pick I have these teams pretty much even when you take into the fact UEFA coefficients. Uh, and if Benzema plays there's no reason to to stay away from Real Madrid here. So I'll be on Real Madrid plus half a goal at minus 120. Uh, and I do, if Benzema's not playing, I may try to hedge out of that and maybe potentially pay PSG live and get a better number of whatever. But right now, uh, definitely on, on Real Madrid in this first leg. 
Uh, and Anthony, you think uh, this could be more of a cagey affair? It should be noted, right, that the away goals rule is uh, has been chalked, right? There's no more away goals. So uh, it's basically a straight-up two-leg matchup in the knockout rounds. Do you think – is that what's factoring into you leaning towards the under here at all? Uh, not necessarily. I don't think it changes much um, in terms of the strategy from Real Madrid. I do think they're going to be more conservative in Paris in this first leg. Uh, I agree with BJ's point that these teams are pretty close to a toss-up. Uh, I make PSG slight favorite. Would not lay minus 137 on them to advance. I would have laid minus 110 two weeks ago. I probably should have. Uh, but I think the most interesting angle here is for me in this first leg is that two attacks that I still think are a little overrated and two defenses that have improved quite a bit. So I'm actually playing the under three at minus 115 PSG in the first three months of the season. And I know that we can't really compare Ligue 1 to La Liga, but they allowed about 0.9 goals per 90 in France in the first three months. Since then, uh, since December, only 0.65 goals per 90. So they've improved considerably there defensively uh, and Real Madrid also has improved. They were 1.15 expected goals allowed per 90 since November has ended, December, the calendar turns. They're actually up to eighth in the league now defensively, and they're only allowing about 0.8 XG per 90 defensively since then. So I think the, the best way to beat PSG is, is in direct and quick counterattacks. Real Madrid can do that, and they've been effective. We've seen them do that against Barcelona. Uh, but I also think their pressing numbers are not very high. So you're looking at a situation where PSG is probably going to have some stale possession and really struggle to break them down, and then Real is going to try to hit on the counter. Uh, Real Madrid also only 15th in crosses in Spain. That's a good way to get at PSG and they really won't be able to do it. Neymar looks like he's going to come off the bench too. I'd prefer he be out of the lineup for my under because he's a great attacker, but he doesn't do much defending. So uh, overall, all these points to the under. Uh, Adrisa Gay is also back for PSG. He's missed a bunch of games, but he's probably their best defensive midfielder. Breaking up play was excellent. Probably one of the most impressive defensive midfielder displays I've seen all year was him against Manchester City in the first leg when they played in Paris and uh, PSG beat them 2-0. Yeah, one thing I'll mention is that uh, Atraf Akimi is an unbelievable right back in terms of getting forward and progressing the ball and putting crosses in, but he's really not that great of a defender. So having to defend Vinicius Jr. and having to basically stay back with him and not being able to come forward like he's usually able to against a lot of teams that don't have that type of left winger that can you know punish you down that left side – that's another problem where I think PSG is probably going to have to sit a little deeper than they'd like to, but it'll be really interesting to see who actually controls the possession here. I'm very, very interested to see who's the more aggressive team and who is more passive looking to hit him on the counter. So it's a very, very interesting matchup here in the first leg. Yeah. And I think the, the you know, if you're, if you're watching this game as a neutral, or if you're a better, the most interesting angle in terms of tactically is the fullbacks for me, because Real Madrid, the main change they've made is being a little more conservative with their fullbacks. And like you said, Hakimi and, and uh, Nuno Mench, uh, the left back for PSG, likely to start. Uh, they're pretty aggressive. Uh, I wonder if Pochino will let them be as aggressive as they normally are, given that. And, and how much each manager is willing to take risks with their fullbacks, likely because of how good guys like Vinicius and Mbappe are as wide forwards, could determine how open this game is. You have to go back to October 30th. For the last time, Manchester City... Dropped a game, lost a game. Uh, they are the prohibitive favorite in the other match on Tuesday at 3 p.m. Manchester City minus 3.30 traveling to Lisbon to play Sporting plus 9.50 right now. The draws plus uh, 2.70. The two advance line, this is just at Caesars right now. It's it's in New York. It's pretty hard to find the betting. Uh, the arrival of, of legalized betting in New York has been a, uh, a little messy let's just say with with what markets are available and not so i had to go to caesars for this This is minus city's minus 1200 there lisbon 
plus 600 to advance. Most other places I think would have Lisbon a little higher, but I do think that there is a path to success here for uh, the Portuguese side, especially in in the opening leg, right? This is a a really good defensive outfit and they play very low event soccer, right? They're 2.64 total goals uh, per match. That's 13th in Portugal, which is already a low scoring league and city. They don't really play that high event either, right? Three goals total, total goals per match on average. And only 32% of their matches are both teams to score. A lot of that is because they're so dominant on the ball and defensively. And it's it's interesting to note that they are averaging just three goals per match, including matches where they've, they've scored seven and such. That said, so I think this could be a little bit more of a slog than you'd imagine in a game that's lined this way, minus 330 plus 950. I actually think sporting, I might sprinkle the money line here. I think that they are within a shot here. Manchester City, like I said, they haven't lost in forever. They're a machine, but they're going to have to step up in their competition. Just when you look back at who they've played the past couple matches in uh, in the Premier League, Brentford and Norwich, they, they rolled and they drew with Southampton. So this is a little bit of a step up in competition. I do think that sporting do have a slight kind of glimmer of hope to, to pull an upset here. Do I think that they'll advance? No. I don't think they can get it done over 180 minutes, but in terms of what, what we're going to see on the money line uh, on Tuesday, plus 950 now, I think you can get double digits on them at some point. Uh, I do think it's a, it's a fun bet to make here uh, on sporting BJ, anything for you here, city and the Portuguese side. Yeah, I do like sporting Lisbon a decent amount here against city. I do think city's a little bit overvalued here on the road since the beginning of the new year. City hasn't been putting up the, the dominant type performances that we've seen throughout most of 2021 they obviously they beat arsenal on the road but they were gifted a red card and a penalty they beat only beat chelsea one nothing only created 0.7 expected goals drew with southampton on the road they slept through a match against brentford in the midweek where they were gifted a penalty and a goalkeeping mistake and then you know they beat norwich four nothing whatever they're the worst team in the premier league sporting has been playing really well this entire year and really since the champions like that a huge match against porto on Friday, which they ended up drawing 2-2 and a crazy brawl ended, you know, was at the end of it. So if you want to see that, go watch the video. It's pretty crazy. But in the Portuguese first division, they have a plus 1.23 expected goal differential per 90 minutes in the sixth most difficult league in Europe. That's pretty impressive. The big thing with sporting throughout the group stage is they really, really struggled against Ajax. They lost both by combined nine to three. And you can make the case that that is indicative of what's going to happen here with Manchester City. But I'm not so sure that's the case. Ajax and City play two completely different styles of play. Ajax, it's one-touch football. It's get the ball moving. It's direct attacks. It's try to overwhelm you. City, as we've been talking about many times on this podcast over the last month, they have turned back into that possession-dominant side, slow, pragmatic, trying to basically hold possession for in years to half for most of the match. Well, Sporting's fine playing that way because they usually play out of a 4-4-2 and they're usually not, uh, they're not used to having a large share of the possession because, you know, especially when they have to play some of the bigger sides. So they're used to that kind of style of play and they do have some attackers that can punish you like Pablo Sarabia, former PSG uh, striker. So I, I only have city projected at minus 185. So I, I do like sporting Lisbon on the spread plus one and a half at even money quite a bit. And I do think that they will be able to maybe get a result here, maybe, you know, a one nothing loss uh, at home. Anthony, uh, I know you're passing on this one for now, but do you think City sets up as a type of team to to cover a one and a half or, or to cover a big money line here? Because like we were saying, we do think that the game state here should suit an underdog, especially a big one. Yeah, I, I lean toward the under uh, three goals minus 115 right now. Um, 
So Sporting had a negative expected goal difference in the group. And I know BJ mentioned it. They, they got pummeled by Ajax twice and they pummeled Besiktas twice and they played about even with Dortmund uh, over two legs. And there was a red card in there for Dortmund. So that kind of throws things uh, into a loop. But they, you know, they were relatively fortunate when you consider the, the weakness of the group uh, and the fact that they came through with a negative goal difference. There's three teams actually that have a negative expected goal difference. Uh, Benfica, Sporting, Atletico Madrid. Benfica and Sporting are, in my opinion, the two worst teams left in the field. Uh, last year, there was one team who had a negative expected goal difference and got through the group. It was Mojang Gladbach. They lost 2-0 both legs to City. Actually, funny enough, played the under three in that match too, the first leg. Uh, and Gladbach did a pretty good job defensively, but you know, City break through one or twice once or twice, and it never looked like Sporting, or in that case, Gladbach had a chance to score. I think it's a similar setup here. Uh, it's which is why I lean toward the under. And then if we go back two years ago, it was Lyon and Valencia. Uh, Lyon had an insane luck box run to the semis despite conceding like eight or nine expected goals over three matches to Juve, City, Bayern. And then the year before that was Porto, who got in with a negative expected goal difference and got thrashed by Liverpool. So the history of teams who get into this knockout stage with meh XG difference does not go well, uh, but I don't want to lay one and a half with City either. So I am leaning towards the under and going to probably end up passing. Also, one more team. I mentioned Valencia. They gave up eight goals in two matches to Atalanta in the knockout stage. So uh, not a great history for those teams. All right, let's flip it to Wednesday. These games should be pretty wide open considering three of the teams, three of the four teams involved. They're Liverpool, Salzburg, and Bayern. We'll start with the Liverpool match. They are traveling to Milan to take on Inter. Inter is plus 245 at home hosting uh, the Reds plus 110. The draw here is plus 260. Liverpool prohibitive favorites to advance minus 450, enter three to one. The Italian side, let's just go over them real quick. We spent a lot of time talking about the Premier League on this podcast. So we do talk about these bigger clubs in other leagues, but it does beg to mention that Inter has been really good in Serie A. They, they are the title favorites right now. Best goal differential, second in goals allowed, and the best expected goal differential per 90 and best expected goals for per 90 in Serie A, which of course has not really been up to snuff uh, this year, the league in general, especially compared to the Premier League, which is far and away the best league in the world right now. However, uh, this I think it's a pretty good spot to back the home side. Liverpool's coming off a real slog against Burnley, a 1-0 win, which they were pretty lucky to get out of that one with a win. Without Veghorst, missed a couple of big opportunities. Jerry Rodriguez was stuffed by uh, Alisson as well in the first half. It could have been 2 or 3 nothing Burnley, and it was a rainy, windy match at Turf Moor. Now they got to travel to Italy uh, just a couple of days later to take on Inter. I think it's a decent spot to try to beat Liverpool here. Uh, plus 245 is a good number on a really good team. They might not be uh, in the same tier as Liverpool, but just considering the spot, I think the underdog here is worth a shot. BJ, anything for you? I do lean towards Inter, but I'll ultimately be passing. The problem with this is that Inter has had a really brutal schedule coming out of the international break. They've had to play AC Milan, Roma, Napoli, and now Liverpool all in the span of 11 days. And I'm pretty sure their best midfielder, Nico Brea, is suspended for this match after getting a red card. Uh, against Real Madrid in the group stage. Now, the case for Inter Milan is that they were essentially better both times against Real Madrid. They won unexpected goals in both those matches. They obviously got a, you know the red card in the second one. They're also the number one team in Serie A and playing through pressure. So you could say they could handle Jurgen Klopp's high press fairly successfully. However, given the form that Liverpool is in right now, I know they've played essentially this be their fourth match in you know essentially a week. But the form that Liverpool's in, especially getting Mo Salah and Sadio Mane back, 
it's it's really troublesome, especially when you look at some of the results that Inter has had versus some of the top sides in Italy. They haven't really been that dominant. They've got a couple wins against you know Napoli and Juventus and everything like that, but uh, consistently against the top sides, they tend to they've been struggling as of late. So you know, obviously losing to AC Milan, drawing with Napoli on the weekend. I will be leaning towards Inter, but I also do not want to step out uh, in front of this Liverpool freight train, which is really looking good, healthy, and has a lot of depth. So I'll be passing, uh, but definitely lean towards Inter. Yeah, I think uh, the general consensus on the show is I'm going to be betting Inter on the money line. Anthony, you're also leaning that way, so it could be a, a three for three here on the Italian side. Yeah, you know, uh, the market's pretty pretty sharp here, I think. I, I, if, if Inter had Barella and Bastoni, I'd probably fire on them plus a half a goal. Uh, but like BJ said, they're both out here. Uh, I think the most interesting angle is Liverpool's away form in the Champions League. Now, some of it is is skewed uh, because, you know, the, the last match they didn't they went to Milan and didn't really need a result and they kind of played the backups. But over the last three-ish years, Liverpool's form away from home in the Champions League, especially in the knockout stage has been significantly worse than they've been at Anfield. Uh, I think Liverpool ultimately ends up going through here because they're probably going to dominate the home leg, but I think they're going to have some trouble here. Uh, Inter is pretty good on the counter. And I think that's the biggest thing here. They play through pressure relatively well. uh, And they've been a more possession based side this year than they actually were last year uh, under Conte. That's more of the Inzaghi way. But in this situation, we've seen a lot of Liverpool, even today against Burnley, getting exposed. Their defense is just not quite as dominant as it was, uh, you know, in years past. And I think, you know, whether it's the aging midfield or whether it's, uh, you know, them being just overly hyper-aggressive, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, as much as he gets forward, there always is space in, in behind him. Uh, I think there are avenues for Inter to get at Liverpool here. Uh, and this is the one match I think uh, could end up being really back and forth. Um, of course, the next match as well. But I think of, of the four Relative to the number, uh, this is the one where if you're looking for like an over and you want to just have fun and watch them for some goals, uh, this is the one I think has the potential to really have a lot of fireworks. The most interesting thing for Liverpool going forward is, is Mane going to start? Uh, you know, Luis Diaz, I'm guessing he will, but, you know, are they going to go Jota, Firmino? There's so many options that Klopp can have with his front three. Does he go with Mane, Jota, and Sala? Okay, you lose a little bit of defensive work with those three because Firmino's not in. If you play Firmino and Jota on the wing, then Mane's not in there. So I, I'm interested to see what Klopp does in terms of the tactics here. Uh, and and so, uh, you know, I lean towards Inter, but without Barella and Bastoni, I'm, I'm probably passing. You're saying that there could be fireworks in this match. There will almost certainly be fireworks as our RB Salzburg are eight to one hosting Bayern Munich minus three ten. The draw here is plus four seventy five. The two advanced line Bayern minus twelve hundred. Salzburg six to one. The over under here, as you'd expect, is set pretty high three point two five with uh, basically a pick 'em on either side. Three and a half with the juice towards the under a little bit. Um, Bayern coming off a <laughs> really interesting loss to Bochum in the Bundesliga over the weekend. I guess that was a pretty big, uh, you know, look ahead spot. I guess maybe we all were sleeping on that one. This game has just considering the way both these teams can play and both these teams can score. It has goals written all over it. Is there any, I guess, a contrarian value in this matchup here, BJ, maybe fading the back and forth affair that everyone's expecting? No, I think it's time to square out and take an over here. It's, it's a really, it's going to be an open game because for those who are unaware Salzburg is the sister club of RB Leipzig. So they play a very similar style, high pressing, high intensity, open style of football, which in a match like this against Bayern Munich is going to lend itself to just a ton of chances at both ends of the pitch. 
that is uh, pretty much what we saw between these two teams last season in the group stage of the Champions League. Uh, Bayern won both matches by a combined score of nine to three, and over four expected goals were created in each match. I've said it a million times, but Bayern's offensive numbers in the Bundesliga and even in the Champions League, just completely out of this world. 2.78 expected goals per match in the Bundesliga and 2.3 expected goals per match in the Champions League. So they're going to have no trouble obliterating this Salzburg defense once again. On the flip side, Salzburg is pretty potent offensively. They have some good young attacking players, obviously American Brandon Aronson, uh, along with Ademi and other guys that can potentially you know, do what Bochum did to Bayern uh, this past weekend. They're averaging a little over two expected goals in the Austrian Bundesliga, and they did create 10.8 expected goals in Champions League group play, but you got to put a little asterisk next to that because uh, they had five penalties, which we were complaining about a lot, if you remember, back uh, in October or whenever that was. Uh, We've just seen it time and time again that Bayern will not take their foot off the gas if they go ahead. In the Bundesliga this year, they're averaging 3.5 expected goals per 90 minutes when playing with a lead. That's insanity. And especially this being uh, the Champions League round of 16, I'm guessing they're going to want to put this to bed you know, in the first leg. So I love over three and a half goals. I'm just currently at plus 110. I have 3.6 projected. So uh, I'm going to square out uh, and take the over between these two teams. Yeah, it could be an interesting one to play live as well if there isn't a goal in the first couple minutes here. Like you said, this thing could get off the rails pretty quickly, and there's no over that is going to be dead when these two teams meet. Anthony, uh, anything here between Bayern and Salzburg for you? Not really either. Uh, You know, BJ mentioned how open the games were last year. I think he's not crediting enough how competitive Salzburg was in those games. Uh, Salzburg creating, you know, 1.8 expected goals in the first game, losing 6-2 because Bayern ran red hot. Uh, And then the first leg, they actually won the expected goals battle 2.7 to 1.3. Now, what's changed since then? Nagelsmann has come in for Hansi Flick at Bayern, but the personnel is damn near the same uh, for Bayern. Uh, Goretzka may be back. Not clear whether he'll be able to play in this game. I think there's a drop off between him and, you know, Corentin Taliso, who has played well in spurts, but he's just not as consistent uh, of a player in the middle for them. So, you know, we, you know, if they have to roll with a, a Kimmich Goretzka or a, even like a Kimmich Muller Taliso, like there's a big difference there between that and how, how solid they are. Uh, so that would all point towards BJ's over as well if, if Taliso has to play instead of Goretzka. Uh, I think Salzburg can absolutely hit them on the break here, but also their XG numbers are also super underwhelming. I mentioned the stat about non or negative expected goal difference. Well, let's just take out all penalties. They would be one of those teams as well. So uh, I'm ultimately passing here. Uh, Of course, the penalties change the games, you know, going up a goal on a penalty, you get the XG for it. If we just take that out and pretend the goal never happened, it doesn't really work, but it gives an indication of how fortunate they've been. And so while I think Adeyemi and them can cause problems on the counter, I desperately fear Bayern just running away with this and killing them in transition, similar to what they did to Leipzig earlier this year, which was a Marsh team. And, and there's still some remnants of Jesse March in this, in the Salzburg side. And that wraps up the uh, Champions League portion of the show. There is a Premier League match this week. There's going to be some sprinkled uh, EPL matches as, as they try to make up games from uh, postponements. And this one is is delightful. Just an absolute delight to bet. Manchester United at the Theater of Dreams, minus 135, hosting Brighton and Hove Albion. They're near 4-1. to one. They're plus 380 on the three-way line. The draw is plus 290. Uh, <laughs> what can you say about what Manchester United has been going through the past few weeks? Uh, they have now had back-to-back matches that followed a very similar script. Good first half, get out to a 1-0 lead, and can't 
get the uh, separation needed to put teams away. And Southampton and Burnley have both pegged them back for draws consecutively. And when you look at the underlying metrics for these teams over the course of the season, they're not too far off one of another. I mean, I think we'd all agree that Brighton should be considered a top half uh, Premier League team at this point. They have a great manager and they do punch up really well as an underdog. They are sitting at a minus 0.02 expected goal differential per 90. Manchester United is plus 0.06 in that same metric. So really not that much separating these two teams this season. And we say all the time on this podcast, there isn't a team you want to back at a bigger price more than Brighton. And you're getting a great price against a team truly in miserable form. Both, I I mean, you can't sit here and handicap psychology and and, and the team's confidence level, but it's pretty clear that Manchester United right now, they're fighting some demons. And Ralph Ragnick hasn't really figured that part out. He's admitted as such as well. Meanwhile, Brighton, Hove Albion, they just know exactly what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it on the pitch. So I think it's well worth it to take a shot here on the money line on the Seagulls. Anthony, what do you have for the lone Premier League match, the lonely, lonely Premier League match this week? I'm taking Brighton, but I don't love it as much as you and BJ do, I think, in this situation. And the reason for that is that the narrative around United has become so distorted to reality in the last three or four matches uh, where, yes, there's the, the mental thing where they can't break through and get over the hump, but they were pretty dominant the first half hour against Southampton, the first hour against Burnley, 12 shots to zero against Burnley should have been up two goals, only went up one same thing against Southampton. They had two or three huge chances and couldn't quite convert. And then they get pegged back as they tire out. They've only scored you know, two goals from their last about seven expected. And if you can count the Middlesbrough match, it's, it's three goals from about eight and a half expected. So they're running really cold. And a lot of that is Ronaldo whose numbers are, frighteningly bad uh, when you look at the fact that his shot numbers have continued to decline and his other numbers, he doesn't add anything else to this team. So he's really not doing much for them. But at some point, the finishing is going to turn for United. You could argue they were due some of this regression after all the luck box wins they've had over the years when I've and BJ and I and Michael have faded them. Uh, But at some point, it is going to turn around with the finishing. So I think if you don't want to play Brighton pregame, you'll definitely get a a decent shot at them live as well. If United scores early and you haven't invested pregame by Brighton, because the pressing just doesn't last a full 90 minutes for this United side and teams are able to fight back into this game. And I'm expecting Brighton to be able to do the same. Brighton have been really good playing from behind. And that's surprising for a team who has had trouble attacking against teams who are, you know, sitting deeper and they did beat Watford two nil pretty comfortably over the weekend, but they've tended to be a team who based on their profile would struggle to break down teams from playing from behind, but they actually have done a good job. Uh, and, and they have a, a good set piece record. Uh, that's big against United given that United doesn't defend set pieces well. So they're, my, my numbers make me play Brighton here. I'm happy to play Brighton. Let me just say, I don't love it as much as, as you guys do. That's a real shame. Uh, yeah. BJ, you're sitting here wearing a Brighton shirt. I'm still joining them. I'm still betting it. I know. It's not even carried like, away. Just like have some, have some energy. Have some conviction. It's not like in uh, your numbers. Come on, come on. BJ, get on the Brighton right. train with us. I, I love Brighton. I mean, I, this is obviously I, I agree with Anthony that United has been trending in the right directions in terms of their expected goals numbers. They probably should have beat Burnley. They probably should have beat Southampton. Obviously, Paul Pogba coming back helps them a ton and unlocking their attack. And United's pressing numbers have been better. Under Ragnick, they're about 10.2 pass per defensive action when they're around 13.4 under Olga Solskjaer. and But they didn't do a really good job against Southampton in terms of that pressing. And Anthony has mentioned it multiple times. It seems like they're 
fit enough to press for the first half. And then after that, it kind of just drops off. Well, they only had a 26% pressure success, success rate against Southampton and Brighton. They're one of the best teams in the Premier League at playing through pressure, which is why they profile so well as an underdog. Most times they're third in the Premier League in offense pass per defensive action. And if we look back at their results against the top sides, if you throw out the one match, they just got completely pounded by Manchester City. They basically have an even expected goal differential versus the top seven. Now, they haven't played Tottenham yet this year, and this is their first match against United. But again, this is we say it all the time. This is the top six defense in the Premier League. They're third in big scoring chances allowed. It's a really, really well-organized, good squad that is going to be able to defend United. They're going to be able to play through United's press. And most importantly, they're going to be able to press United back because they also are pretty uh, up there in the top five and passes per defensive action. While United allowed Southampton around nine and change passes per defensive action. Now you could say Brighton's not going to press that, that frenetic of a pace, but again, I can't look away from Brighton here. This is a really, really good number for them. I have United projected, I believe around plus plus one twenty. So uh, I love Brighton plus half a goal at plus plus one twenty. Yeah. It's uh yeah. Yeah. It, it's going to be a good one uh, to watch for a lot of reasons. If, if United do win, I think uh, all of a sudden everyone's going to say, oh, you know, they are heading in the right direction, top four side. And if they lose, oh, boy, uh, maybe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be back in charge. Uh, and United's the- schedule is going to get really, really tough in March. They have a stretch, I believe, versus four, just really hard teams. I'm pretty sure it's like Atletico, Manchester City, Liverpool, Tottenham. It's it's going to get really hard for United. So they if they want to finish not only top four, but the top six, they kind of need this match and yep. it's, and if they don't get it, it's, it's going to be a uh, panic button time for them. And you throw in the wrinkle of uh, having to deal with Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid in the champions league. And it's uh it'll be an interesting couple of weeks here as it always is for Manchester United. All right, let's shift gears back to Europe uh, real quickly. We'll go through some uh, Europa league matches. The two headliners uh, that we picked out Barcelona, they're minus one Oh five taking on Napoli plus two ninety. the draws plus two sixty five. So it's Thursday kickoff, 12.45 p.m. BJ, you're on this match. You think there's some value here. What side are you taking? Yeah, I love Napoli plus half a goal. So if people don't know, Napoli is maybe the best defensive team in all of Europe right now. They've only allowed 18 goals in 24 matches and only seven big scoring chances all season long, which is insane considering Serie A is averaging a little over three goals per match this season. Now, obviously, me and Anthony have said that that's probably not going to sustain, but still, it's very impressive. Even in the Europa League group stage, they had a plus 7.3 expected goal differential in six matches and were really undeserving to finish in second place in that group. Barcelona obviously has been improving a ton under Xavi, around a plus 7.5 expected goal differential in 10 La Liga matches. They did win their, uh, you know, they're obviously playing Espanyol right now as we're taping this, but the previous weekend they did beat Atletico 4-2, but they only created about one expected goal uh, so I'm a little concerned uh, that they're not going to be able to create the amount of chances that they're used to against uh, the Napoli defense that is just in- incredible. What will be very interesting to me is if Barcelona's pressing can be successful. Now, under Xavi, their passes per defensive action is around 6.7, which is really, really, really good. But Napoli is the second best team in Serie A at playing through pressure. The key here for Barcelona is I think they have to have a large share of the possession to be at their best. Under Xavi, they're averaging a little bit over 60% possession and they rely a lot at playing out of the back a lot of build-up play well Napoli they're also a fairly possession dominant side themselves in Syria A, and a lot of what they do is build up attacks they're the second slowest direct speed per Optus so 
if Barcelona is not able to control that large share of the possession and Napoli is able to slow this match down and make it very pragmatic, defensive, I think it's 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 a good spot for Nap- Napoli to pick up a result here in the first leg. I have this match projected very, very close to a pick So uh, I like Napoli plus half a goal at minus 115. Anthony, real quick on Barcelona and Napoli. Yeah, I look towards uh, Barcelona a little bit, but the number's not there. Like BJ said, I cannot get there. Napoli's been very improved, and one of the main reasons why, they're finally getting healthy. Uh, and Koulibaly is back in the center of the, of the defense, and uh, Victor Osimhen is back from injury. And what do they do in their first three games? Really, the last three games they played, they dominate Sauernitana. Okay, but you know you still create four expected goals. Control the match against Inter Milan. Probably unfortunate to not take all three points from that match, I thought. Uh, and then dominate Venezia as well. So they're playing a little better, but I, I would look towards the under for some of the same reasons BJ mentioned with this Napoli defense significantly improving. Barcelona, I think at home, will have the line share, the possession, but I'm not sure they'll do a ton with it. And so that sets up for a pretty conservative uh, game as uh, on in the first leg. And then I think the second leg could be more open depending on you know game state and what happens. And you have something for us for uh, Leipzig, they're minus 110, taking on Real Sociedad, plus 310. The draw is sitting at plus 260, another Thursday kickoff in the Europa League for this one. Where are you going for Leipzig and Sociedad? Yeah, I'll be doing my Europa League uh, best bets, taking a page out of the BJ playbook uh, this week, I believe. So you can see that uh, on the Action Network. But one pick I really like is the over in the uh, Leipzig and Sociedad game. These are two attacks who have considerably underperformed their expected goals this season. Sociedad, we look at it, they only have 22 goals in 22 games. That's pretty dire, but really they've created about 28, 28 and a half expected goals. You expect some positive regression there. And this Leipzig defense, it seems crazy to say because it feels like they've been giving up goals left and right. And they have improved marginally under Domenico Tedesco, the new manager, but uh, you know, they're still conceding a good amount of big scoring chances. And so I think Sociedad, uh, we'll be able to get some of those in transition against this Leipzig attack uh, or defense. So uh, I'm rolling with over two and a half goals in the first leg. And then uh, I lean toward Leipzig on the money line as well, but just not a lot of faith in Germany, given how poorly every team but Bayern played in the Champions League group stage and Europa League group stage wasn't that much better for them either. So uh, I'm, I'm rolling with the over two and a half goals. And uh, real quick, uh, before we get to our favorite bets for the Champions League this week, you two can rapid fire through your other Europa League bets. BJ, we'll start with you. Yeah, real quick. Uh, Dortmund Rangers over three goals at even money. So Erling Holland didn't play today against Union Berlin, but it sounds like he is going to be back for this match. Obviously, the Dortmund offense has overperformed uh, a lot, but this is a good spot against the Rangers defense that I don't think has been very good. They In the group stage uh, in the Europa League, they were in a group with Leon and Sparta Prague. And even though they finished in second place, they had a minus two expected goal difference against them. Even a few weeks ago, when Rangers faced Celtic in the old firm derby, they were thrashed by them in a three nothing win. And all those goals coming in the first half, Rangers now does have some fun attacking options. They brought in Ahmad Diallo on loan from Manchester United. They brought in Aaron Ramsey on loan from Juventus. They're averaging 2.2 expected goals per match in the Scottish Premier League. And their matches are averaging 3.2 expected goals. So, I mean, if Dortmund has Holland in there and they're able to mimic what Celtic was able to do in the old firm, which is basically inverted fullbacks, overloads on each side, it's there's going to be a lot of problems for Rangers. So I have this match projected about 3.4 goals. So I love over three goals, even money. Anthony, anything else for you in Europa League? Yeah, I've got a couple of picks. I'm fading some Spanish teams, fading Sevilla, who is going to be laying a goal and a half at home against uh, Dinamo Zagreb. This Sevilla attack has been an absolute 
dire straits recently. It took them over an hour to get a shot against Osasuna. Uh, they really struggled against Elche. Didn't break through until like the 65th minute uh, and really only had four shots, I think, in the first half. So this attack just has not been good enough for me to trust them. The defense has been pretty fortunate. So it would only really take one goal from Dinamo Zagreb for me to feel very comfortable with this plus one and a half number, even though they're on the road where, you know, Zagreb has that great, uh, you know, home field, but they, you know, they don't tend to travel as well. Uh, I do think they're going to go all out for a goal here and then uh, make it very difficult. Sevilla just hasn't played well enough to, to score three. Uh, so uh, I'm taking the plus one and a half. And then Zenit, BJ's uh, Russian boys have not, we backed them a couple of times in the Champions League group stage and they came up short for us, conceded some late goals, but the performances at home were actually pretty encouraging, especially against Juve uh, and against Chelsea when they beat them. Uh, so, you know, there's, Reason to think that they can be very competitive here and, and should be more favored than they are. They're about to pick a minus 115. You look at 538, has it about as a toss up. But really, I just don't think this Betis uh, defense is, is particularly good. The attack's been running really hot. There's still some holes for them defensively that I think Zenit can exploit. And it's going to be very difficult for, for Betis to, uh, to break through on the road, even though, you know, the Russians are in the middle of a pause and, you know, there could be a war starting by then. So who knows? But uh, overall, uh, I like Zenit at home in the first leg. Yeah, one thing I'll say about that, I obviously have the weather report from St. Petersburg on Thursday. It's actually be pretty nice, 35 degrees and snowing. So for February, that's pretty good, I think, in St. Petersburg. I'll give one more real quick. The Europa Conference League is also going on. Celtic minus one and a half against Bode Glimt, a Norwegian team. Uh, the Norwegian League ends at around the beginning of December. So they've only been playing friendlies, haven't played a real competition in basically over two months. Celtic's been in incredible form. They average around two and a half expected goals per 90 minutes uh, in the Scottish Premier League. And really, uh, we're a really good offense uh, in the Europa League group stage, but we're just in a group with Betis and Leverkusen, uh, and we're really unfortunate to get through. So uh, I think Celtic blows out uh, Norwegian side, Boda Glimt as well in the Europa Conference League. And with that, we will move on to the final part of the show, our favorite Champions League bets for the first set of knockout round games for the 2021-2022 Champions League. Anthony, uh, let's start with you. What's your best bet for out of the four games uh, this week? Yeah, Real Madrid, PSG, under three, minus 115. It's actually the only bet I've placed so far of the four matches. I like next week's card a lot better. Excited to get into that one as well. With that being said, we have two defenses who are considerably trending up in the last few months. PSG has gone from conceding about 0.9 goals per 90 to about 0.65 in the last couple of months. Real Madrid's defense has improved. They were bottom half of the league in the first half of the season. And now they've started to come around. They're up to eighth and expected goals allowed. I really don't think they're going to press PSG a ton here. I think they're going to sit off, look to counter. Uh, and PSG will have their best defensive midfielder back in Idrissa Ganagay, who had a stellar game against City and I think can break up play and, and won't get overrun by the midfield, given how old Real Madrid's midfield is as well. So I think this game sets up to be a little more conservative. Both managers kind of feeling each other out a little bit before we get a, a pretty fun second leg uh, in Spain next week. So I'm going under three goals. think it could be a 1-1 type game uh, and excited for that one. Really the game of the entire week. Yeah, I'll... I'll... Go next. I like a Wednesday match the best. I like Inter Milan plus 245 to pull the upset over Liverpool. Uh, like I said, I think this is a pretty tough spot for the Reds. They're traveling from a windy, rainy turf moor where they won 1-0 to Burnley on Sunday, traveling to Italy, and they will have to play a lot better than they did against Burnley if they want to get a result here on the road. Inter Milan, uh, they have the best expected goal differential per 90 and the best expected goals for per 90 in Serie A. This is a really good team. And one that I think has a lot of value at plus 245 at home in, in a huge matchup for the Italian side. 
So give me Inter Milan plus 245 is my favorite bet in the Champions League this week. BJ, what about you? Salzburg, Bayern Munich, over three and a half goals at plus 110. Salzburg, obviously the sister club of RB Leipzig, so they play a very similar style. High intensity, high pressing, very open. And that's what we saw when these two teams met in the group stage in last year's Champions League. Bayern won on aggregate nine to three. Uh, all Each of the matches had over four expected goals created. I've said it many times, but Bayern's expected goals numbers this season are so impressive. Around 2.8 expected goals per match in the Bundesliga, 2.3 XG per, per 90 in the Champions League group stage. So they should have no trouble ripping apart the Salzburg defense. Salzburg, also another offense that profiles really well. They have some fun, young attacking guys. They're averaging a little over two expected goals in the Austrian Bundesliga. They did create around 11 expected goals in the Champions League group stage. You obviously have to put an asterisk next to that because they did get five penalties. But going back to those two matches against Bayern Munich in last year's you know Champions League group stage, they created a lot of expected goals. They were pretty threatening on the counter. So I think this is going to be a very open style of game. And Bayern... When they get ahead, they do not take their foot off the gas. They're averaging 3.5 expected goals per 90 minutes when playing with a lead in the Bundesliga this year. So I think this one has goals written all over it. So I love over three and a half goals at plus 110. And that wraps up another episode of Wonder Goal for Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. I'm Michael Leboff. We will see you again on Thursday morning for our Premier League preview. Best of luck in the Champions League, everybody.